Hello and welcome to Galactic Heartbeats. I'm Bright Star. I'm Dr. Radiant. And today's episode is focused on the theme of how ghost lore intersects with aliens. And the way this theme came to us was through watching 31 horror movies, 31 Days of Horror in October. Mm -hmm. I say, I usually say horror, but then I'm self-conscious about it because only New Yorkers say that. Well, whenever your New York accent comes out, it's very hot. So I hope our listeners get to hear it. Horror. 31 Days of Horror. There we go. Uh, Shout out to Christina for introducing me to this ritual. It starts on October 1st, and Halloween 1978 is the best movie to watch on mm-hmm. October 1st. Mm-hmm. And then we just co- kind of go into any kind of Halloween movie every day. And it, and it did start with, like, slasher films and murder. For and sure. like All, like, we watched It. Oh, yeah, that's right. The original It. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we watched, I don't know. It's hard when you watch that many In a hor- horrific movies yeah. <laughs> to remember all the distinct ones. But at some point, we started Alien movies. We watched all the aliens. Mm-hmm. And then we watched, like, Poltergeist. And there, we were like, this is the same thing as Aliens. Like, they take your energy. Or they get... Or you get really cold. Mm-hmm. And you get faint or there's creepy lights or the sound goes out and their movements they zip they do zip or they defy gravity mm-hmm. and so there's all these connections between ghosts and aliens and so also during that episode I mean that sh- that like like what would you call thirty one days of horror that experience? Sure, like it's a tradition, like just this kind of ritual that we're doing. Yeah, at a certain point, you made a connection, Doctor Radiant. It's true. Would you like to share about that connection today? Sure, I would love to. Um, I think really what we were noticing through these thirty one days of horror was how many times aliens, like the lore of aliens in film, also intersected with like the lore of ghost and paranormal ghost paranormal stories, such as like the poltergeist. Um it was quite like fascinating to start kind of thinking how certain stories like we were also listening to spooked a really incredible podcast um and it was this person we were listening to it on a long drive during this time of really relating to all these different alien and paranormal stories and in spooked there was a person telling a story and i i did they think it was a ghost 
I yeah, think they, they did, right? Well, it, are you talking about the guy going up the mountain and hearing the voice of a woman telling him not to go up the mountain? <laughs> that, yes, that part of that. But there was also another one um, where the uh, thing he was noticing was featureless. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so... We'll we'll link that particular spooked episode so y'all can listen to it and have your own thoughts and feelings around it. But while we were listening to it, we were really gravitating towards these telepathic thoughts. So like he kept kind of saying, if my recollection is correct, that the thought he didn't necessarily hear them, but the thoughts popped into his brain, which for a lot of people who have alien encounters speak of these telepathic moments where they're not hearing something, but it's, there's something else in their brain telling them something. Um, another one that's really common in ghost stories is a featureless woman in a long black cloak with sometimes red eyes, sometimes not. Um, but the key features being featureless woman in a long black cloak. Cloak. And what, you know, what we're understanding that why people assume this person is a womanly figure is our kind of societal perception of what a womanly figure looks like in the dark. And so usually kind of like more thin. Um, I think like there's like a femininity kind of relation there. Um, So again, it's really interesting to note how the way that we have learned in society is putting a lens on how we're viewing different entities that we're not familiar with. Mm-hmm. Like we can't assume that this being is a woman just because she's thin. That's ridiculous for lots of different reasons. So, but that's how we're like telling stories and associating stories. And another big one is like a featureless face. Um, and again, that kind of begs the question is like, why is this face featureless? Is it really featureless? Or is it something that our brain cannot comprehend? And so in the moment of viewing something that can be perceived as traumatic, you're you're not really seeing what is there. Yes. And that goes with losing a sense of time. Mm-hmm. Because when you have trauma or you're looking at something traumatic or you're going through something traumatic, you forget your sense of time. It really just doesn't exist. Correct. Yeah. And that's also a really big part of these reportings with ghost stories is a sense of lost time. And we know that with alien counters, there's a loss of time as well. um, So it's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, parallels and you know things that are maybe the maybe the same yeah um -hmm. yeah the effects on humans trauma same for aliens and ghosts they're scary Mm -hmm. these are the stories that we're telling ourselves at least there's a loss of time Mm -hmm. and there's an existential crisis in a way Mm -hmm. these are some of the human aspects of both ghost stories mm-hmm. and alien stories. Correct. And if you if you all see the Encounters documentary, a big 
part of that documentary is people who have encountered aliens and talking about that existential crisis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you want to tell yours? <laughs> I do. I do, Bright Star. I do want to tell mine. So, listeners, um, we felt that for the second episode that, uh, well, really why a big part, I think, that have led us down this path of wanting to start a podcast um, was that I had a realization at the very beginning of 31 Days of Horror um, that through our folklore, so my realization was that I've encountered with an alien if, if you know, my nonverbal cues has picked that up and yet, but um yeah, they can't see your nonverbal cues. Yeah. I'm a little nervous <laughs> because, you know, it is November 9th that we're recording this. So it's not been a long time since I've come to this understanding. Um, and so I think I'm going to probably... Relive it. Relive it a little in retelling it. Um we should note, listeners, that um, we are we are podcasting in my closet, and so we have some lights up. Um, we're wearing some neon colors just to get the mood right and for the sound to be better too. <laughs> All the important things as for when you're podcasting at home. Yes, mm-hmm. we are in the stud. We are in the studio. <laughs> Ready to rip. Ready to rip. Okay, here we go. So, um, I will say, just to give you a little more time. Thank you. We were halfway through, like, the second movie of 31 Days of Horror, and Dr. Radiant had to stop the movie and be like, okay, I just need a break for a minute, and, like, left the room. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you didn't come back for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then you came back and were like, I had an alien experience. I can't talk about it yet. But I want to keep watching the movie. Yep. Yeah. And then, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then, like, I, the next morning, you might have told me at coffee or maybe two or three days later. I feel like it was two or three days later. Like, I... It, it took me a little bit to process because... This story in itself, I have really kept to myself, um, even before I, you know, realized it was an alien encounter, because I thought I had encountered, like, um, a ghost spirit of some kind, and I thought it was malevolent. Is that how you say that word, malevolent? I think so. Yeah. Um, And so, you know... I was not comfortable sharing with people about a, a, a spirit who kind of felt like it tormented me for a night. It was definitely the scariest moment of my life, <laughs> I would say. Um, but it, it was with a, something that I could not describe, could not give reason to. Um, and so I just really didn't talk about it. Um, so this this encounter that I now understand it to be 
happened, I would say, seven or eight years ago. And I was house-sitting for a family I had known for quite some time um, on their farm. And I, I had house-sat for them many times. And there was always kind of this, like, foreboding at night. But I was a young person. And it was a farm in the middle of nowhere. And I was kind of used to being... Um, surrounded by lights or at least trees wherever I was living. And so walking out in the middle of the night and, and just seeing the expanseness of the world and darkness with no lights is gives, I think, a sense of foreboding, some, you know, just a natural sense of it. So I was quite familiar with this feeling and I did not really pay it that much attention. Um... Also, this, this house that I was house-sitting for had a lot of little creatures inside to take care of, had farm animals outside, and a lovely three-legged dog named Ike. Um, and the house itself, uh, the husband was a... He was not a construction worker, per se, but he owned a construction business. I can't ever remember what that, that word is. Like a contractor, I think is what it is, is the okay. name. And like, there's a joke about contractors, at least in my understanding, in the community I was living in, that their house is never finished. Sure. Yeah. And so their house was not finished. The windowsills um, were just kind of like construction. You know, there were no blinds, which is an important element to the story, and no curtains. There were also three doors to the outside, and it was a it was kind of like a wraparound porch. There was the traditional front door that was never used, um, big red door with four little windows on the top. Then um, the kitchen, which was really quite the main part of the house, with a dining area where I did a lot of writing and painting. Again, next to a window that was not finished with no blinds or curtains. Nightmare. Um, Then there was the kitchen door that led out to the porch, which led out to, like, where the chicken coop was. And that was, like, the most commonly used door. I used that door pretty much nonstop. Um, And then there was another door that I had used occasionally to take care of, um, I think they had, like pig or something in the other part wait a second so you have a giant front door to yeah. a big expansive kitchen yes a door to a chicken coop mm-hmm. and a door to a pig pen it was a farm <laughs> okay. okay so i would definitely be already in the corner like with a blanket like with my headphones on like calling eight friends like sure. seeing if anyone was home yeah Yes. So thankfully I liked quite liked being by myself and I liked the the solitude, the solitariness of that place and because there were so many animals, like it was never quite lonely feeling or scary, especially Ike who was um not a scary dog by any means. He was a little little guy, but he was very companionable, you know. I just, you know, 
Yeah. It's help. good to have animal energy. Yeah. It's like really safe yeah. and healing. Exactly. Um, but yeah, there was a door, you know, so it was kind of by the laundry area that went out to the back end of the property. So three doors in this place, all of the windows, again, not finished, no blinds, no curtains. Um, and so there was one night that I had, I was staying there at this time. Like usually I would house it for the weekend, an occasional weekend here or there. And then they asked me to house it for about a week. And I was like, fuck yeah, I will love to house it for a week and be by myself. Um, and so I would say it was probably like day three of house sitting for them. I had gone into a rhythm. I had stocked the fridge. You know, I was making my tea and doing my writing at night after working. I was, I was working as a cashier at a grocery store at this time. And, um, oh man, it's just always, it already makes me nervous just even getting to there. It sounds so dreamy. Yeah. The way you, you know, mm -hmm. spent your day and and, Mm -hmm. and then night falls, right? Yes, yes. And, like, my days would start so early. See, now I'm going to try and avoid talking about it. My nights, or my days would start early with the chicken coop, going to work for a full day. Like, there was a lot of things to do on the farm. (sighs) Okay. Anyways, so, yes, I would make my tea... Um, I would do my writing, have my dinner. Ike's all taken care of. He's kind of like by, by my side, a little snoozy little dog, very sweet. Um, and on this particular night, I was noticing that the, like a lot of tapping at the window. Um, and again, if people aren't familiar with farmhouses, farmhouses tend to like sit, um, there's a usually a wraparound porch and they tend to sit up off of the ground. So where the windows sit, it's not like where a normal window sits for a first story house. It's more like a story and a half. Like it's kind of like at the seven foot line in terms of height, Mm -hmm. um, which is important detail of the story. Um, so maybe five feet at these, at these particular windows. And then there was a, another window in the living room that sat about seven feet high. It was a smaller window, kind of like one of those bathroom windows that you have, but for whatever reason they had it in the living room. Like a random rectangle window that's like up at the top, like Mm -hmm. reaching the ceiling. Yes. Why? They had an aquarium there at that wall. That took up quite a bit of space. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And oh again, my like, God. this is a contractor's house, so they were able to, like, kind of manipulate how they wanted it to be for their animal needs. I wish he wouldn't put a tiny window at the top of his room I and then do a aquarium. Wish. Yeah, and it, it wasn't like a fish aquarium. It was, um, they had a bearded dragon. Even worse. Even well, worse. Why worse, Bright Star? I just don't think they should be contained. Mm. But also, it's scary, like, continue. I didn't know that detail of the story. Like, oh, yeah. A bearded dragon in a tank under a tiny window at seven feet tall. Okay, continue. Okay, yeah, because you know, you know where that goes. So, I think many of us know where this goes. (laughs) 
really set it up. Okay, well, so I'm writing and drinking tea, um, and there's tapping on the window, and I'm like, oh, it's windy outside, because again, where I was living at the time, lots of trees at my window, tree movement across my window, tapping of trees on my window at my at the place I was staying at, very normal, very, very familiar. And so as I'm in the writing zone, you know, like, especially when you're like creating something and there's an outside noise, you're like, fuck that. Like I got, I have something here. That was the kind of the zone I was at. Mm -hmm. Um, and then Ike was starting to get nervous, which made me nervous. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me, there's no tree next to this window. There's bushes. There's bushes underneath the window. But there's not a tree. And then I went, what the fuck? Um, also should note that it was... There's a gate at the at the end of this drive. And a, and a very large tree, but not near the house in a way that could, like, touch the windows. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was where my car was parked. It was underneath a tree, and then there's a long drive to a gate that you have to open up in order to drive out. So I realize on this farmhouse that there is something at the window tapping. Is this the tall window? It is still tall. It is still a tall window. It's not the big... That's not the seven feet tall window. Okay. But, like, the house is up on a... What is that called? A platform? Platform. Yeah. So it's not, like, your... When you see a window on a first-story house and it's, like, waist waist tall, it's, like, a bit... Like, a is tall man. Is it because it's on the, like, water? No, it's a farm. It's a farm, but it's near... It is near water. It's yeah. near a large body of water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's on those, like, stilts or yeah. whatever that yeah, houses are flooding, on. Yeah, flooding was really common. It was... On the, an island, right? Yeah, on an island, and it's like this farmhouse was in the dip of the island. It was down... It was at the bottom of a very large hill. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, it needed some lift. Okay. Mm-hmm. But no, like, weeping willows, like, whipping the trees, like, on no. the window. It's like one of those big, lovely... I don't know what kind of trees those are, but like, you know, it's a big, lovely tree, maple leaf tree, maybe, you know? Yeah. Um, so I grab a knife. So listeners were back in the kitchen with where I'm realizing something's tapping the window. Uh, dog is nervous. Not dog is not yapping. This is a yappy dog. Dog is not barking. He is nervous. But he's making no noise. Don't love it. So I grab a knife. Naturally. Naturally. And and I and I go out there. Like a snake a steak knife or a butcher knife. Like a big fucking butcher knife. From the block. From the block. I just and I go out there. <laughs> and and God love Ike. He follows me out there. <laughs> you know, he, he is also like, what the fuck? But he does come out with me. Good job, Ike. Yeah, really seriously. 
uh, so I go out there and I may have said who is there. I may have just like stood in the darkness listening. I think that's more likely. Uh, I remember looking at my car and really wishing I could get into it and leave and, and in taking the tree beyond my car, but I didn't look up. I just looked around and I didn't see anything. Yeah. And, and I was, I was scared. And so I went back into the house, um, and I realized while standing in there holding a butcher knife in this house with no blinds and no curtains, that while it's dark in a landscape where you can, like, you know, when you drive, drive by a house and you can see directly into it because it's dark out and it's lit up inside. Yeah. Realize I'm doing that. So I turn off all the lights in the house. And I pick a spot in the living room where I can kind of keep an eye on the three entrances. Mm -hmm. I still have the knife in my hand. Mm -hmm. And Ike is now next to me, not making a sound, tucked into me, shivering. And I just remember, like, you know, this island doesn't have a lot of cell service. um, So I didn't have any cell bars. And I remember looking at the home phone in the kitchen, which felt like eons away from where I was sitting in the living room, keeping an eye on all these doors and just wishing so much to be able to call someone to come get me, but also being terrified to do it because I felt like if I called someone, they would surely die because of whatever was just this feeling of, of fear, this, this inescapable feeling of dread just completely filling up my body. Uh, and so while I'm sitting there and it, and it was early evening that this is happening. It wasn't very late. Um, I think, (laughs) I don't know. It was a very, it's hard to remember the time. Um, and so I don't know if it really matters because I don't really, I can't recall it really factually in any well, way. Well, that's part of the trauma mm-hmm. and the loss of time in these incidents. Yeah. So I'm sitting there in the living room holding the knife, Ike cowering next to me. And that tiny window I was mentioning before, that's really high up. Um a face enters the window a featureless face and it just it stares at me for a long time and I think I'm crying I feel like I'm internally screaming but knowing like not making any sound um I am scared for my life and and this what I felt was a spirit at the time isn't looking away from me isn't really doing anything but is just looking at me and I I want to note as well because I feel like this is an important detail in this story 
that next door to this farm, next to this giant tree, lived a cow. And I think this, like, one of this, I think we were either watching a documentary series or something. Well, all of the alien stories, not all of them, a but... A lot of them. Most of them, many of them, are on farms and there's cows yes. involved. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's a cow right next door to the farm and it's in fact on the side of where this creature is standing so mm -hmm. like it's maybe like not even eight feet away where the cow lives like in its barn mm -hmm. um, and so yeah this this creature is staring at me and and I feel like it is there until sunrise um, and, and I remember when the sun finally like rose, the creature went away and I, I got into my car. I packed up all of my stuff. i got into my car. I drove home and I never spent the night there again. I never went back there really. Like I finished house sitting, but I only went in the early morning hours as in like just like 7 8 a.m and I, I and poor Ike got like the worst house sitting experience um I just didn't I didn't I couldn't do it and I always kept the gate open I think Ike was happy to have you there yeah like I think he was glad you were there and that he probably had a good house sitting experience because he probably has that all the time. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And probably understood why I couldn't really come back afterwards. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so what I've, what I've come to realize is that this featureless creature I thought was floating by the window. I realized through these stories of aliens and through other people's encounters and even through ghost stories that I truly believe the creature was an extraterrestrial. At first, did you think it was a ghost? Yeah. Or a spirit? A spirit, yes. And I thought it was like, I even thought it was like a demon for a while. Mm -hmm. when, I, when I retold it to a couple of people, they were like, that was a demon. But when you think about it as an alien, mm -hmm. are you as scared as you think about it as a demon? No. When you think about it as an alien, what do you think it was doing? And what did it want mm. with you? I think it was just curious. You know, like, I think, I think it just, it's, it probably saw me I, when I came out of the house. Um, I do believe now that it was in the tree, which we have learned in, in different alien documentaries who have people who have encountered aliens report seeing something in the trees. Um, I, I now really believe that it was in the trees when I came out. Um, and I think it just, it was just interested. It was curious. It didn't mean harm. It didn't mean to scare me it was a like I imagine like if we went to a planet and saw a being we'd probably want to look at it too we, I mean that's what we do at zoos right yeah it's and not also, so different 
our cat, Oshin, every yes. morning yes. likes to look at us through the window from outside while we have our morning coffee. Mm-hmm. That's his favorite ritual. Yeah, and he's quite calm and happy while doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I don't I think this 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 alien was just curious and looking. I wonder if it felt bad that you were like holding a knife in fear. <laughs> Probably or yeah. I I don't know. It's um I'm putting human emotions. Yeah, that's on the it. hard part. Like, you know, maybe it found it interesting or like maybe it wasn't there for as long as it felt to me, you know. Yeah. Maybe it saw me in fear and left, but like my my human reaction was still to protect myself, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um there's so many like variables, but I think the most important part to note is like the alien did nothing to me. I uh even though I felt dread and foreboding and it was the scariest night of my life. Um, that could have been from your, my personal human experience, like thinking, you know, I thought at first it was an intruder and then it was something I couldn't begin to comprehend. And so my immediate understanding was to think spirit. And then when I retold it to friends, some trusted friends, they're like, that's a demon. And then shared stories with me about their experiences that quite frankly now sound like alien experiences as well to me. Which Um, is part of the reason mm -hmm. why we want to invite others Mm -hmm. to share their stories with us. Just Mm -hmm. like you so gracefully, graciously and bravely (laughs) shared yours. Thank you, bright star. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Very much want to hear other people's stories, whether it's seeing a UAP or something they don't understand, an alien, anything. Well, having an experience, this yes, this idea was from the show Skinwalker Ranch, where on it they have this guy, Junior Hicks, who was a science teacher who lived on the ranch. And... Mm-hmm. Not Skinwalker, but the one next to it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, neighbor of the ranch. And he interviewed people, and he kept a binder. Mm-hmm. He had a template for his interview, mm-hmm. like every good teacher would. Yes. And on the show, they, like, the the grandson or something brings the binder to the Skinwalker Ranch alien, you know, researcher crew, um, and and shows them this binder of this, like, stories st- of all the people who have had these alien encounters, and then they said they scanned them all in, which I'm like, where are these scans? They digitized them. Yeah, so continuing Junior Hicks's mission, uh, we'd like to document your events in a binder. Um, so we made an email today. Oh yeah, we did. Dr. Radian made an email and an Instagram. 
galactic_heartbeats at gmail.com and galactic underscore heartbeats for your Instagram needs. Mm-hmm. Share your stories if you'd like, and we'll read them on this podcast. And if you'd like to be a guest on our podcast and tell us your encounter in that way, we would love to hear from you as well. Yeah, that would be amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, We'd like to end with a poem, another, another alien poem. Last time, Dr. Radiant read a poem about an Irish... It was an Ireland UAP experience. Correct. The first ever recorded in 745... 43 CE. 743 CE. <laughs> this poem is called The Universe, Original Motion Picture Soundtrack. And it's by Tracy K. Smith. It's in a poetry book called The Future of Black, Afrofuturism, Black comics, and superhero poetry. All right, here we go. The Universe, original motion picture soundtrack. The first track still almost swings. Hi-hat and snare. Even a few bars of sax, the stratosphere will single out soon enough. Synthesize strings. Then something like cellophane, Breaking in as if snagged to a shoe. Crinkle and drag. White noise. Black noise. What must be voices bop up then drop like metal shavings. In molasses. So much for us. So much for the flags we board. Into planets dry as chalk for the tin cans we filled with fire and rode like cowboys into all we tried to tame. Listen. The dark we've only ever imagined, now audible, thrumming. Marbled with static like grisly meat, a chorus of engines churns. Silence taunts, a dare. Everything that disappears, disappears as if returning somewhere. Hmm. Wow, incredible. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Galactic Heartbeats.